0: This episode of Intelligent Medicine is brought to you by Healthy Aging, providing you with the unique energy support of Pure N.T. Factor. N.T. Factor is the only nutritional formula clinically proven to reduce fatigue, whatever the cause, whether it be age, illness, or just being run down. N.T. Factor from Nutritional Therapeutics repairs damaged cells and restores healthy bacteria in your digestive tract. Clinical trials have shown N.T. Factor reduces fatigue by almost half and it even reverses some symptoms of aging. I've been taking NT Factor for years with a 45 day money back guarantee of nothing to lose. To order, call 800-982-9158. That's 800-982-9158 or go to NTFactor.com. That's NTFactor.com. Welcome to the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Layla Mudin. I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist here in New York. If you'd like to make an appointment, call our office, 212-779-1744. That's 212-779-1744. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for downloading these podcasts. We are upon Memorial Day weekend now. A lot of you are ready and barbecuing. And the first official or unofficial weekend of summer, we know summer isn't until June 20 or 21, somewhere there, right? The summer solstice. And you're all gardening, probably, those of you with gardens, you're probably, you've probably already had the blooming of your azaleas and, and other plants in the springtime. It's a beautiful thing. To see, I remember seeing that in one of my aunt's gardens in April, the beautiful, colorful azaleas and things. Well, with the prospect of weeding and seeding and doing all of that, and you know, we like to say weeding and seeding when we're talking about our gut microbiome, right? Weeding out the bad stuff, putting in some good stuff, but Today, I'm talking in a macro way. I'm actually talking about the garden. And one of the things that I would always say, and I I would comment to my husband, it's like, that's a beautiful flower. What is that? Because he's got way more of a green thumb than I do. I'm still learning. Um, He'd say, that's a weed. Those are weeds. Those are weeds. Well... I'm a big lover also of wildflowers that grow naturally in nature. I love wildflowers. And so many of them are termed weed. We have to rethink the word weed. And I found a beautiful article that really resonated with me that I want to share with you in our approach to gardening, in growing food, things that we're doing and that we may have been doing wrong. Wrong all of these years. This is actually out of The Guardian, and it's an article by Alice Fowler. Ditch your spade, forget fertilizer, listen to the weeds. Itching to whip your flower beds or vegetable patch into shape now that spring has finally arrived? Not so fast. Life's much easier when you work with nature rather than against it. And, you know, a tenet of integrative and functional medicine and nutrition is that we work with nature rather than against it when it comes to the ecosystem of our bodies as well, right? Rather than using a harmful drug, which gets in the pathway of something that naturally happens in our body let me give you an example a proton pump inhibitor if you have reflux acid reflux like prilosec nexium one of those right well we need that stomach acid for stuff like to digest and absorb our our food and nutrition to protect us from foodborne illness that acid is is critical for that and When it comes to our garden, the same concept applies of working with nature rather than against it. All the labored effort, the weeding, the fertilizing, the digging, the tending and pruning, the selecting and conforming, it's not working. Not for the plants, the soil, or the community around them. That includes you and me. We are a part of nature. Indigenous cultures everywhere have based their practices on observing and honoring the ecology. While we, in the developed world, quote unquote, wrote down our rules. Our attempt to control nature has perpetrated poor relations with all the beings in the garden, turning everything into some sort of a battle or endless regimes, whether that's mowing or hoeing, attacking some critter, watering. It's a lot of work. And Alice Fowler says these days, way more than I'm prepared to put in. Now spring is finally unfurling, this growing season, perhaps rather than going to work in our gardens We could all relax a little, spend more time looking and listening, waiting rather than reacting, being in the garden as much as actively gardening. So she says, here's how it's done. First, throw out your spade. If you're even faintly interested in gardening, you will have heard of, quote, no dig, end quote in which you eschew your spade and take up a hoe, H-O-E, instead. Rather than turning the soil, the soil is a structure that has been hundreds of millions of years in the making and thus has thought long and hard about which way up it should be. You lightly hoe or just tickle the soil to remove any unwanted weeds and leave behind its multitudes of microbes, fungi, and insects intact, exactly where they want to be. Happy microbes make for happy plant roots, better able to take up nutrients, fight off pests and diseases, and withstand drought. And as we keep doing this, there will be fewer weeds to remove. We have to stop battling with the soil. Every soil has its weed seed bank. The adage goes, one year seed is seven years of weed. But actually, it's more like decades for several of them. They're not there to annoy us but to act as a life jacket to the soil. The weeds are there for a reason. Nature, in all of its wisdom, understands this. Exposed, weed-free soil is very easily damaged or eroded by the weather. The sun bakes it, the wind harries, the rain pelts it, either compacting it or if a deluge comes, causing a runoff. Again, those several million years of evolution, they were in a system sitting still, but advancing to a point of self-resilience. The vast majority of weed seeds, they need light to germinate. The more you disturb the soil, forking it over digging things up the more light you let in and the more the soil has to rush to protect itself it flushes its weed seed bank as a protective coat to hold the system together and talking of weeds it's time we ditch the word altogether we have to stop calling it weeds And even the Chelsea Flower Show is rebranding weeds as hero plants. Perhaps we can talk of them as common folk or elders. They've been around a lot longer than us because every weed in our gardens is trying to tell us something very important. The more one type dominates, the louder the sermon is. Dandelions are saying your soil is a little compact, low on surface nutrients, particularly calcium and potassium. Nettles tell us there is too much surface nitrogen. Not as good as it sounds. A flurry of annual weeds, bittercress, chickweed, and mouseweeds say our soil is dominated by bacteria while thistles, docks, green alkanets, and comfrey are another sign that the surface is a little low on nutrients and only those with long tap roots to mine the subsoil layer can thrive. Brambles tend to proliferate where there is excessive nitrogen, but the land has been left alone so they could take better hold. There is some evidence though, that they have a potential role in the natural regeneration of tree seedlings. Deer won't browse in the middle of a bramble thicket. And in a woodland, this means the tree seedlings won't get nibbled. While the mycorrhizal fungi we will tap into the woodland network to boost the seedlings with enough growth to make it up and out of of the thicket. Now, once we start looking into the ecology of anything that we flippantly call a weed, we'll discover that it is key in recycling nutrients, providing food in the form of nectar, and pollen for all manner of insects in all manner of weather. And not just for the pollinators, but also for things such as leaf miners that turn into micromoths and flies that turn into food for hungry mouths reaching out of the nest which turn into food for raptors flying high above. I know, I hear you cry, of course you do. I bet you still go out weeding when you don't have to, says Alice Fowler. Listen, many of these common folk arrive to help the soil out. And if we ease back on the weeding, but she says, you will still have to intervene sometimes. So if we ease back on the weeding and instead pay attention to the soil, many of the common folk will quite quickly become occasional folk. Instead, annual ones are a sign that the soil has become bacterially dominated, having evolved from alluvial floodplains to meadows to fields and thriving in the company of bacteria. They do not thrive in the fungally dominated soils of woodlands. Fungi thrive in soil rich in carbon because that is what they eat. See, it's about nature's plan, fungi, bacteria, all of this has a place in the ecology. Isn't it beautiful? It it really, really is. We have to stop calling it weeds. I've always thought many weeds were pretty and that was always like, why, why are we mowing that down? That is so pretty. Anyway, so Alice says, if you have too many annual weeds, add more carbon to your soil in the form of bulky homemade compost. Cardboard, which could be shredded, could be laid down as a sheet, could be added to your home composting or brown leaves, right? You don't have to dig it in. The worms will incorporate it all into the soil. We do have a, a compa, uh, we do compost out at our country house and we've got the beautiful earthworms to prove it. The soil is dark and rich and beautiful. It's true. So. You don't have to dig it in, says Alice. The worms will incorporate it all into the soil. That is, if you give up your spade, because one of the biggest threats to earthworms is our habit of plowing and digging, partly because if you are chopped in half, you don't regrow. And because worm tunnels have their own beautiful architecture that supports the soil, but not If they have collapsed, we have to embrace rot and death. So we have thrown away the spade, considerably loosened up on weeding. Now it's time to relinquish tidying up. We all do it. Remove a yellowing or a nibbled leaf, sweep up the spent leaves and pick up sticks, prune out the dead and the dying. We all do it, right? We even do with that indoors with our houseplants, in part because the idea was that all this material would harbor slugs, other pests, and diseases. It might, but one soul's pest is another's supper. It is true slugs rather love a pile of damp, slightly rotting leaves, but so do the beetles that hunt them. You see how this works. The story is played out over and over again. If one thing proliferates in a natural system, something else, sometimes many things will come on, will come to dine on this opportunity to restore the balance. A garden allowed to find this balance doesn't have pest or disease problems. It has beings who are living and dying, sometimes thriving, but rarely at the cost of the whole system. This balancing act takes time, several years or more, but I promise you this, says Alice Fowler. even the slugs settle down. Rotting, disease, pests are just Earth's recycling system. It is not a great leap of faith to trust time. Plants have been around far longer than we've been gardening with plenty of time to work on the nuances of reciprocity. Listen, it is true that dead tree that you see in the woodlands or in the forest or in the local preserve, that tree didn't die because of the rot in it or the fungus, the mushrooms you see growing on it. That fungus and mushrooms came in. Nature called it in to help in that dead tree's decomposition so it may return to the soil and so that soil may replenish. That's nature's role. That's what happens. We have to stop chasing fast growth. Ever since the Second World War, we've been falsely worshipping nitrogen and phosphorus as kings in the fertilizer game. Synthetic fertilizers, a very bad hangover from bomb manufacturing, led us to believe we could rig the system. Remember that ad? I remember this back in the 1970s. You can't fool Mother Nature. I forget the product because I was a kid. But I love that. You can't fool Mother Nature. The woman with the glasses is shaking her finger at us on the TV. Anyway, so using fertilizer meant farmers could turn every bit of soil into a field, for a while at least, and it trickled down into how we gardened. There is a much wider debate about excessive fertilizer use, in particular nitrogen in farming. But that's largely out of our hands. But guess what? Your garden isn't. It's in your hands. There is no need for manufactured chemicals of any kind here. First, all soils differ, but synthetic fertilizers, particularly the kind sold to gardeners, take a one-size-fits-all approach. Regardless of where you are, you apply <clears throat> the same amount of plant food. These synthetic fertilizers—they don't say stay in sight. You, they run off. And there is evidence that over time, they can deplete soils of stored carbon, reducing fertility, even if organic matter is still added. In short, if you buy fertilizers, you're paying for short-term gains. Homemade compost is free, and it will build your soil, helping store carbon and feeding your plants, even if you make it really badly. So no more heavy lifting. Let your soil do the hard work. If you want an even more carefree approach, you can do most of your composting without heaving stuff around. Don't clear away your spent crops. Leave the pumpkin stems and leaves. Take down the old tomato and bean plants and let everything lie on the soil. You can cover it to speed things up. Market gardeners tend to use black plastic for convenience but cardboard is plentiful, free and easy enough for a small garden. Covered or not, this allows the crop residues to go straight back to where they came from. If you wanna plant it straight back into the space you just harvested or cleared, try mowing, trimming, shredding, or chopping up by hand the spent crops and planting straight into that. It's quicker, avoids hauling stuff to the compost heap, and back again, and makes for wonderful friable soil. That whole notion about hoeing and raking the soil to make a fine tilth to grow in, turns out it's better done by the soil system rather than your sweat. Now, Alice says, I'm not suggesting we should give up compost. It is still the best way to deal with household organic matter. Be that food waste, paper and cardboard, pet hair. You just don't need to bring in extra compost or manures, especially for your soil, when in and on ground methods might get, might get you to a richer soil with less effort and less cost. And if you do bring in compost, never ever use peat, P-E-A-T. It is destroying precious peatland habitats that we need for carbon storage, clean water, and flood management. Those that thrive on peat bogs don't want to live anywhere else, so let us not destroy their home for the idiocies of gardening. Listen, this is all very important information, and I want to get back to this. I'm going to do a part two of this, so stay tuned next week for part two on... Rebranding Weeds. I want to thank you for joining me on another edition of Layla Ways In. This is Intelligent Medicine. This is Layla Mewden, RD. I see patients regularly, along with Dr. Hoffman. If you require a nutrition consult with me but live out of town, there's no need to travel to New York City. I have telephone consultations with clients from all over the country. Please visit drhoffman.com for more information. And to set up an appointment, call 212-779-1744. That's 212-779-1744. I look forward to being a collaborator in your healthcare.